This episode of Generally Famous discusses subjects that some may find upsetting, including stillbirth, miscarriage, and alcoholism. Help is available. There are details in the notes for this episode on your favourite podcast app. Kia ora, aotearoa, and welcome to Generally Famous, a stuff podcast. I'm Simon Bridges, and every week I talk to a generally famous but always interesting guest about life, love, and what makes them tick. Today's guest has been a household name for many years and on our TV every night. But she's also been a professional ballroom dancer, a snowboarder, a political candidate, I think against John Key, reality TV star, boxer. Now in addition to being TVNZ's sports news presenter, she's a doting mum and now also actually an author. Welcome Hayley Holt. Thank you so much. What an introduction. Well, there was so much in it because you've done so much. Yeah, well, I've done. Yeah, I've done a lot. You know, I've kind of. You've got to keep life interesting, don't you? Yeah, you've you've crammed like a lot into those forty-two years. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, are you sort of like? I was wondering, are you like a? Are you a jack of all trades? You know what I mean? Like, um, you your life's I'm a master of none. Well, Simon. I didn't say that, <laughs> but like you, you're like a you're like on a variety show, you know, where there's all these different things that you've done. Why is there a Am I being too deep and meaningful to ask? Is there a reason for that? Or well, you know, I've thought about this myself actually, and I, th- I would say yes, I am a jack of all trades. Um, and you know, it could come down to the fact that I did have that ADHD diagnosis. Yep. So you know, I kind of my interest flicks. Yes. Sometimes, but I, I don't know when I because growing up dancing, and we also did all sorts of other things around the dancing. I was always so busy yes. with a variety of things. I think I just got used to that. Yeah, being busy. Being busy. Going at it. Yeah, and also doing something. Dancing actually wasn't my... Um, it kind of wasn't actually my wheelhouse. It was kind of my mum's. Right, I was going to ask you that. Yeah, and and then I preferred books and, yep. and school and yep. maths, which yes. was weird. And so I feel like I've got... All of that, though. That skill yes. that was sort of given to me, yes. plus what I sort of naturally am. Because I suppose I was going to ask you something like that, which is along the lines of what's your happy place, but what do you enjoy the most? And it may, maybe it's a better way, because you've got like that very physical stuff. You've got ballroom, dancing, snowboarding, go-go. I mean, I'm, they are like would be my least best things in the <laughs> universe, right? Um, they asked me on Dancing with Stars. I said, no way. You because should have said, yes, no, Simon, because it's life-changing. There's, there's a fine line between kind of humiliating and kind of endearing, and I would think I would have been on the humiliating end of it. You've had all the front of camera stuff. Um, and then there is the ideas kind of, I don't know if intellectual is the right word, but, you know, you've you've you've, you've done your breakfast TV interviews, interviewing the likes of me. You've, you've, you've stood for parliament. So I suppose it's what, what are you kind of, yeah, what's, what's your, what do you like best? Oh, <laughs> um, I actually like the simple life best. Yeah. I um, am really happy when I'm on my parents' land up yep. in um, Kaipara Flats. Amazing. Um, we're, I've seen it on Insta. Yeah, it's beautiful. And we're sort of thinking about doing a little market garden there possibly, yep. you know, making use of it. That's where I'm my happiest. But I also need that other excitement mm. as well. You mm. know, it's kind of like... Two extremes, you know. I want to. I want to go hard. I want to be snowboarding. 
so much fun. I'm also in my happy place yes. on a snowboard. And then, you know, I like to lizard a little bit, lie yeah. around in the sun. But that's okay. We're allowed to do that, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Have sort of that um, bit of go-go than, than relaxation. I mean, in the go-go side of it, it wasn't, I just, this just occurred to me when you are talking, because you'd mentioned that... Um, you know, ADHD, we know about the alcoholism and we, you know, we talk a bit about that maybe. But um, it, do you think, without being, again, too deep and meaningful or psychoanalytical or something, is there like, do you have a self-destruct thing, do you think? Or is that not, am I well, over-reading it? Well, going straight in, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, not so to a dangerous level, but I definitely like to push things. Or a, or a and risk I love, appetite, I suppose. Definitely a risk yeah, appetite. that's and, maybe a better way of um, I love an adrenaline rush. Yep. Um, but at the same time, I like to, it's almost like a disruptor type yep. attitude, you know? And I feel like, I feel like the world does need a bit of disruptive. Totally. You know? And I think that's also what pushed me into doing, um, you know, running for the Greens as a yep. candidate. I just feel like we all need to be shaken out of yep. of what we're doing because it's not yes. quite working. I mean, it's working in many ways, but not in all ways. No. Well, mm. there's a lot that isn't working, right? Yeah. Um, there's no doubt about that. No, that's really interesting. Look, well, let's run through these, as I say, this busy, tiring. You look very from the, Well, I just look at it like I'm, I'm tired already thinking about all the things <laughs> you've done, but let's go, let's go dancing. So... What I know from um, my intensive Wikipedia research is that um, you're about seven. Is that right? When what what you've told me just now is mum kind of gently prodded you into a bit of dance. Exactly. Uh, yes, her friend wanted to send her daughter, my lovely friend Judith Mara, and um, mum was kind of like, "You're going too." Yeah. And you know, it was kind of social for a while, I suppose. But then. Um, Things just got a bit serious all, all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. And the, the heels and the Yeah. And the what, what's it, what are we talking ballroom? Ballroom dancing, yeah. And other, and other styles? We got into the other styles after ballroom, actually. So ballroom yes. came first, which is unusual, and then went to jazz and tap and ballet. And I think I did some character dancing, I don't know, in there somewhere. Right. Plus swimming and horse riding. And, and, and what, because my kids, have three got three kids, uh, all pre-teen, and they have all, we've put them all into ballet, and I think, you know, probably, I don't know, jazz and hip-hop and various other, I don't think any of them have survived it. They've all, in the end, decided, no, we don't want to do this for one reason or another. We might get uh, Jemima, our youngest, back into it. So I suppose the question from that is, why, why did you... Why did you keep going, not for like one year, two years, but, you know, many years, do you think? Do you know, there was an aspect that I loved. The social side of it mm. was really good for me because mm. because I was sort of a little bit socially awkward um, and, you know, I struggled to focus. It was kind of the social side of it, but it had a reason to it. You know, we had a point. We were there. We, we I knew what I was doing. Mm. And so it became – and then it just became sort of part of life as well. Yeah, and then it was we got part of your everyday it. life. Yeah, well, you obviously got incredibly good at it. Got really good at it, and that's a good feeling too. Yeah. You know? I like that too. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I did give up ballet though because ballet right. is very controlled. Right. And it's kind of – for me, was quite boring. You liked a bit more of the umfa kind of something a bit more chucking things around, <laughs> getting into it. Um, would you? Would you? Um, 
in, you, you know, you've got um, a, a son. And do, do you think you would put your um, a child or children into dance? Would you do it all? Would you do what your mum did to you to you? I know. I've I've pondered this because my initial reaction is definitely not. Mm. But then I have, um, you know, I've come out great because of it. Yeah. You know, if mum hadn't pushed me, I probably wouldn't have done any of that. Yes. And so I'm quite thankful for it. So I don't know. It's a real hard one because, you know, it came with some issues. Yeah. And it came with that. Um, but I suppose everything does. Definitely. If she let you sit on the couch watching um, whatever it is, cartoons all day, that would have its other issues, right? <laughs> exactly. You'd be like, why didn't mum put me into dance or something where I could have excelled and been amazing? Exactly. Why didn't she push me? Yeah. I, you know, I owe my, I owe everything to her, really, for doing it. And then I would say I wouldn't put Raven into dancing, but then I'm looking into the kapahaka I was watching, right. Matatini. Yep. And I was like, oh, I could become a... Because he, um, partner Josh, is he Māori? He's Māori in right. Cook Island. Right. Yeah. And then we know you, you, you kind of, I mean, just sticking with the dance for like four seconds long, you've done, um, you know, uh, uh, I was going to say Strictly Come Dancing, but that's the UK version, Dancing with the Stars, and you had Daniel Loder and Brendan Perongia and Pete Ehrlich, I think, were your partners, because you were the pro, right? Yeah. You were showing them what to do. Um and, and, you know, you were with Candy Lane for a long time. So, you know, you really – and you won competitions. You were NZ sort of number one or something. Yeah. Um, professional national champs. We went over to Blackpool, and which was like the biggest dance comp in um, the UK. And yep. did really, really well over there. Do you we remember was, Blackpool? Yeah. It's like a godforsaken place, isn't it, of trailer park trash or the UK equivalent. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. They were lovely people. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got some elegant ballroom dancing malarkey going it's on. It's super strange. It's like um, every year, you know, it gets overrun by these fabulous Italians who come in with their tans and their beautiful hair and their jewels dripping off them. You're basically describing me right now. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, amazing place. And then we did, we rock, we walked around and got some Blackpool rock and looked at the weird sort of uh, roller coaster that's on the sea. I mean, it's strange. Yes. I, yeah. I just want to say, because um, I feel like there'll be emails coming in to Chris Reed, our producer on this. I, I've never been to Blackpool. Oh. Okay. But my wife went there every summer. My God. Um, exactly. her, her father would take them up um, and, and that's her view of it, right? So any, don't blame me. Don't shoot the messenger. That's Natalie's view of yeah, Blackpool, well, okay? Anyone who comes from um, Blackpool. Do you, do you um, either by yourself alone in a room or with uh, Josh, do you dance now? Yeah. Do you? By myself alone in the room a lot, yeah. which actually... Because <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not, wasn't that competitive, but if I think about it, I still drum a lot in my head. Yeah. And, to, and I think then I pick every self and someone catches me in a lift or something, I think I'm a weirdo and I'm doing it with my teeth and stuff and that's really weird. But So you do, you, st you, you would still dance. The move, you know, the spirit's still in me. Um, yeah. Definitely move, uh, move a lot, dance a lot with my son Raven. Yeah. I'll dance in a line if I'm waiting for a coffee. Yeah, I'll if there's music, I'm sort of bopping, definitely. Amazing. Um, yeah. What about out in um, in public or out at, I mean, you're not a member of the local, 
I don't know, Ponsonby Ciroc Club or whatever it is. <laughs> no. You'd be too good for them. No, no, no. And uh, like people are surprised I was a professional dancer when they see me out in public dancing because yes. I'm just a, like a normal, you know, stepping around and yeah. bumping around because I'm not going to break out a cha-cha. Yeah. Because actually, could it ruin you in a way like that? You know what I mean? You've got, All you can do is these formal things. Maybe that's mm. what ballerina would be like. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's kind of funny when you see dancers out in, in a nightclub. We used to go out nightclubbing a lot. And then the dancers would all partner up and they'd be doing a cha-cha and they'd be doing these fabulous sort of yes. moves. And I was kind of a bit embarrassed, to be honest. Yes. Okay, well, I've taken from this that the rhythm, the spirit is still in you. And that's a good thing. Snowboarding. I must confess, I've, I've never been snowboarding. Snowboarding, I have little idea about it or you and snowboarding. But like, were you, you were serious at that as well? Serious, very serious. At and does that mean um, competitive or professional or anything like that? Or Not professional, definitely competitive and sponsored. So we would, um, at first it starts as a lifestyle and we would go down and live in Wanaka and then go Post overseas. dancing? Post dancing. Yeah. yeah. So we're talking what, mid 2000s or something? Uh, early 2000s, yeah, yep. yep. early 2000s, and we just do winter to winter. In autumn and spring, we just work as much as we possibly could to try and um, save some money to do the next lot. And yeah, we'd compete. We had sponsors, so you'd get lift tickets and you'd get all your boards and your gear and your goggles. So you weren't paying for all of that, but you got had to pay for your own travel and, and you had to pay for your food. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's not fair. No, I know. It's expensive, all of these things that you've you've done. It is. The dancing through snowboarding, the kit and caboodle and the travel and the... Yep, you find yeah. a way. When I was, um, I'd, after a season here, I'd come back up to Auckland and I would work for my dad as a builder. Right. And then at night I'd waitress. And then sometimes in the weekend I'd also be doing some shows for candy. So that was just work, 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 work. Yeah. And then you'd go overseas for three months. Amazing. It mm. sort of sounds good when you say it, but it's a lot of hard work. A lot of hard work. Not a lot of sleep, all of that. And then also when you're trying to get a lift ticket, you're like we used to work. I used to work for Snowpark on shoveling their jumps and just yep. like <laughs> on the yep. park crew. And you're up there at 4.30 in the morning. Yes. It's ridiculous. It's freezing. Yeah. And then on your days off. You'd have to, you know, force yourself to go back up the mountain. Do you think the dancing helped you with the snowboarding? Just hearing what you're saying about the spirit in you on the, you know, in your room with Raven, is, is that, was that, does that make a good snowboarder as well? I think so. Yeah. Uh, it helped with style. Yes. And style is important um, in snowboarding, I think. Mm. So me and my brother had a good reputation for having a good style too. He was actually a way better snowboarder than I ever was. Um, and he, I sort of used to copy his style a little bit. But in one aspect of it, it, it was kind of, it didn't help with the spinning because dancing has a completely different sort of tactic to it. You have to spot, you leave mm. your head behind with snowboarding, you've got to lead with your eyes. I mean, I had to try and teach myself not to do that. Um, but I think it helped. Are you, do you consider yourself sporty? Jack of all trades, he's sporty. Yes. You know? Right. I'm never going to the Olympics. No, because you were saying before, when we were talking before on um, Game of Two Hearts, you know, you were kind of playing the role of someone who knew nothing about sports. But actually, you, you're a, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I mean. Um, on Crowgo as well. Crowgo, well, sorry. Yeah, that's um, all right. Uh, but you are um, uh naturally you're you're good at it you, you, you know you're not putting yourself out there as the next um 
you know, um, silver fern or something. But, you know, naturally you're good yeah. at it. Yeah. I could have actually been a swimmer. I right. was swimming when I was younger too and my swimming coach um, took my parents aside and said, you know, she's got to choose between dancing and swimming because she's got a real future in this. And my dad just said, I think you should choose dancing because your shoulders are already starting to look a bit bad. Right. <laughs> I was like, that's terrible but also true. <laughs> Don't mention that to Lisa Carrington. <laughs> She's a very impressive specimen. But well, she's impressive. Uh, that's yes. the thing. It's impressive. Yes. It was pretty old school thinking. Yes. Yeah, no. Sh- shame on your father. Shame. We're going to s- cancel him. Um, <laughs> He's already cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. Isn't that true of most fathers? Let's be honest. Hey, um, television. And then, like, you, it's kind of somewhere around this, you're, you know, you, I suppose you, so you're, Break is the wrong word, but your break is Dancing with the Stars, right? Where you're the pro, and you're you're doing that for quite a few seasons. I did it for three seasons here, and I did do one season in the UK, Strictly Come Dancing. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so... How was that different from um, NZ? Oh, my God. So different, just like mass production. Huge production, and we were in the Beeb, so we were in the Donut, when the Donut was still there. I think it's... um, So what's that? It's like Shepherd's Bush or somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and... um, Bruce Forsyth was the host. Amazing. I know. It's amazing. And well, he's gone. Thousands. So did you meet him? Yeah, I met him. I got a, actually, I went up and got his, uh, his autograph, which I gave to my nana. And then um, everyone saw me do it. So then they lined up and they said, no, 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 no more. And I was like, yes. <laughs> was he friendly? I mean, he was friendly, but you didn't go and talk to him. He you know, you weren't used gonna to come out of his... Shit. Yeah, no, he wasn't. Bruce Forsyth. He was still doing that when he was like 107. He was pretty and his much wife was still 27. Oh, God. Do you remember that? She was beautiful. <laughs> what a legend. And I was just like, what's all that about as well, a nine-year-old or something when he was on television here in New Zealand? Yeah, we know what that's about, don't we? Charisma? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Natural <laughs> charisma. That's what it's about. Yeah. Um... I feel like I've got a bit more problematic on this podcast than I meant to. <laughs> you might have to cut Good that, editing but... can work all all things out. How did you transition? So, yeah, we've done Treasure Island, Crowd Goes Wild, um, Shorty Street. I think you even, was that what? Just a, were you a character or? I was a character. That I was could after... see you as an orderly. Oh, that's sort of. I don't know if that's. Don't be mean about, <laughs> don't be mean about orderlies. How would a hospital function without an orderly? This is true. <laughs> but you have to wear those scrubs, you know. Yes. I was glamorous, actually. Honestly. Were you? I was um, an it girl called well, Olivia. Well, you do that well. <laughs> Olivia Barnes was my name. and um, I feel like I actually know an Olivia Barnes. <laughs> probably. Yeah. I dated the um, old doctor. God, he's on it now. I've forgotten who, what the doctor's name is. Right. I went for a date. But then obviously it didn't go well because I didn't get asked back. Ah. Mm. Oh, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you're fabulous. How did you then kind of? How did that morph into? Um, I was going to say proper TV, proper but telly, you, you know, like like interviewing stuff on breakfast and yeah. pre- presenting. So when I was on Dancing with the Stars, after, during that time, I did Treasure Island, mm. and because I won it, I think I piqued some people's interests, and because I was a snowboarder. Mm. Rick Salizzo uh, got right. interested and he asked me to do a few stories for Crowd Goes Wild when I was down in Wanaka one season. And then when I came back to live in Auckland, I got in touch and basically just asked him for a job. And he said, yes, 
So miracle, eight years with the crowd goes wild. I was amazing. Yeah. Um, how did you how did you find the um, the serious stuff, if you like? Did you? I mean, were you fish to water, or do you feel you grew into it, or? Yeah, how did you... I suppose I'm thinking breakfast, really. Yeah. Um, so I I found that, like, my actually more of a natural fit for my uh, personality. Yep. I definitely had to grow into it. It was, yep. def- it was harder to try and um, gather all of those thoughts and, you know, into succinct questions, succinct interviews. Um, and then it... it Sometimes my ADHD m- made that quite hard, focusing right. on the interviews. And uh, so I ended up going and... Well, you would drift off or something? I would or, drift off yep. and I'd be thinking... <laughs> Whereas you've got to be really <laughs> on, don't you? You do. And you have to be listening. Yeah. And so I went back to my doctor and uh, we me- I medicated for breakfast for right. most of it, which was really helpful. But that didn't mean you weren't enjoying it. It was just that you sort of felt like that's what you needed to do. Is that I what just I'm... needed to do it. I yeah. loved it. I actually yeah. miss breakfast so much. And I love talking about all those issues. And So you could see yourself going back to something like that? I could. Yeah. The hours, though, were... Pretty bad. Pretty bad. I mean, not even having a newborn son mm. um, can can compare. Because mm. mm. you were there with what Campbell and um, Jack Tame. Jack Tame first, then yeah. uh, John Campbell. Some of life's Jenny characters. May. Yeah. How lucky. Yeah. Sometimes you have to pinch yourself and go. Oh. Yes. It's an amazing life. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Yeah. When it is, I mean, it's hard work, but I suppose it has got its glamour. There's lots of glamour. Which You're meeting I'm used fancy to. people, the Bruce Forsyths of this world. <laughs> Who's the most famous dude or dudette you met as a breakfast? As a breakfast host. Ooh, I mean, Rachel Hunter's pretty famous. Yeah. She's cool. She's generally famous. Yeah. Um, I definitely met her and think she's wonderful. Um, I was going to say Bette Midler went past, but it's the other one. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Was it? Yes. It was one of those. Maybe it was Bette Midler. Barbara Streisand. I feel like they're the same people. Tomato, tomato. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the sports presenting. Oh, no, actually, no, let's stick with breakfast uh, because I've won it. Highs and lows of that. Do you look back? Can you think of an absolute freaking shocker you had? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had some shockers. I mean, yeah, I can't be too specific. (laughs) Yeah, otherwise, I'll get myself in trouble. Luckily, you know, they picked up on things that I didn't think were too bad. Like, I made the news because I didn't like Ed Sheeran, which yes. which in that same show I'd seen some, said something really, really awkward, which I'm glad they didn't pick up on. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, they, you know, they would have if it was me saying it, but for you, because you're the fancy presenter, they're nice to you. Exactly. I think I swore a couple of times. Yeah, I remember that. I think yeah. you did one or two ones I did with you. <laughs> So, like, Taylor, your father's watching. <laughs> you think he's got a problem he's with your broad shoulders? I mean, he's remember. he's not going to like that sort of talk from a lady. <laughs> um, <laughs> and what about highlights, though? Oh my god, the whole thing was a highlight. It's right. just talking to you. Yeah, of course. Well, that well, yeah. Well, you you know, it's like Bruce Forsyth. I mean, you're only human. It's that natural charisma. <laughs> That sort of radiates like a natural glow. But I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I can feel it now. I feel like... <laughs> hey, um, we're not that close. Just because people, you know, because good media types, we explain what's going on. I just want to say we're a good media apart. Yes. But what Hayley is saying is she can actually feel it across the table. Yeah. 
It's radiating. The animal magnetism. <laughs> okay. I think actually I have to answer that though. The highlights are, and I'll use you as an example, mm. um, meeting these people who you have an idea of what they are like. Yes. Especially, you know, you're coming in, you're a, you know, the leader of the national party. Yeah. Um, you have expectations and then you yes. actually just this really nice guy. And so that is cool. I really enjoyed meeting people and just seeing their humanity. I think that's right. I think um, I think a lot of um, people probably wouldn't understand that quite, do they? They think, mm. um, whereas in the end, we all eat, drink, sleep, poo, yeah. and um, you know. And what I've found over you know the years is people sort of think, oh, well, that'll be that's something you know, like cabinet or you know, some other thing that'll be there's that'll be so much different and exclusive it's not it's just the same mm. it's just a different building or whatever you know same with tv all of these things in the end people are i mean don't get me wrong top people are top people at a level you know what i mean they've got they're like you they're a doer and they've got energy and all that but yeah no we're all we're all just people we are all just people and actually um i'm probably jumping way ahead here but when i'd go into the rooms as they call it when i was in recovery you'd get the broad spectrum of people. You'd mm. get the business people and then you'd get, you know, people who might be homeless. Yes. Um, or there because they've been court ordered. Yes. And everybody had something amazing to say and amazing. something that you could relate to. It's very humbling, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. No, we need to come to that. So maybe just finish off the the, the oh, there's so much to say. You've done too much to fit into a fifty. <laughs> so let's just quickly cover your sports presenting. Do you I just wanna know, like it's an insider thing and maybe you're not even allowed to tell me and you have to sort of kill me afterwards. But do, do you write that stuff or, or edit it or or does it just come to you down the screen and you read it? Oh, no, no, it's definitely written. There is a script yeah. there. Um, I will write a couple of things. Um, to make it more cut, natural. Uh, just because that's, you know, you've got, a, you've got reporters on the job and, and, yep. and someone needs to do it. So I might be, um, you cut pictures too, so I cut some of those pictures, which I really enjoy. That's that kind of maths brain coming out. Because mm, you got 100% in school, see? See, I've done my homework. That actually is not true. <laughs> oh, is it not? 99%? I got 98, 98 or 99% in an entrance exam. So, But I mean, I always did quite well. Oh, amazing though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nine times three. No, no, no. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd always say... Yeah, 27, okay, just, okay. I'd always say that those times tables are, that's a memory game. That's yeah, nice. totally, totally. You know? That's memory, not me. Yeah, good point. Um, well, I got 43 the first time, but that was in fourth form. The second time, I doubled that and I got 86. Well done. Yeah. All you have to do is just do some homework. Yeah, because I was an accelerated class. Maths was never my yeah. strong suit. Uh, and then and then in the actual school, so it went well. But it's not about me. So and do you do you find the new, the new stuff? I mean, I'm just being, is it a little bit boring? <laughs> I mean, in the end, you're just reading it. <laughs> you know, news. <laughs> you know, news is important, Simon. You're oh, on totally. it. It's it's really important, totally. and it's important who wins the games. And I actually find the stories around the news really interesting. Yes. So, how does someone get to where they are, or what struggles have they gone through in order to you know lift that yeah. trophy? No, I agree, and that's what 
you know, zero set. We, you know, on this August podcast, we like right. Mm. It's not so much the kicking of the ball. It's the you know, it's all the things around that and the crisis and the drama and the pathos and all of that. For but, um, do you do you are you? We know you're sporty, jack of all trades, sporty, but better than that, I'd say. But that's okay. But are, do you are you? A junkie that's following it, like you following the ups and downs of the latest travails of the All Black coach, and you know what to Ruby Tui's up to next, and how the Chiefs are going versus the Blues. And um, I would say that I do for my job, um, but I I definitely switch off yep. as well when I'm not working because it's work. Well, yeah, and I, I have a life. Yeah, and you can only, and, you know you can pack a bit in there. You've got you to pack it all in. You can't just be on your phone. No, seeing the latest. Um, the All Blacks. So honestly, it's it's a bit unfair, isn't it? You know, Ian Foster was right, and I'm not saying. <laughs> Good, I like this. This is there's you know? a headline in this. Keep talking. Oh no, <laughs> I'm not saying that. You know, Scott Robertson's the wrong coach. I think he's going to be fabulous, and I'm really excited about what the team's going to be like under and him. And he's a good dancer. He's got spirit. I bet. Yeah, have he you could seen do that break dancing nonsense? I love that. It is nonsense. Why? I don't think an all black coach should be doing that. Oh, come on. I think that's that's the best thing about Razor. I love that show. I love that he did the that. The best thing about him is how much he can, you know, Winner. kick a team into line. Yeah, true. But yeah. You, I mean, so what, you think that that lacks a little bit of decorum? I just think maybe now. Unbecoming of the office. Because, you know, if he was really, really good at it. Hmm. You know, because the All Blacks are elite. Mm. He has to be elite breakdancer. So maybe he could take some training. If he wins the World Cup, well, he, well, he won't actually, but that's because that's it. But no. if he won a... See, if, this is the thing. Yeah. This is why it's awkward. But if because he, we're talking about him. And actually, Ian Foster's the coach. Yeah, yeah, true. I got I got, I got you there. Well, that's, well, that's there. That's there. Um, that's the rugby union's sort of debacle to work through. But let's say he won a World Cup, Razor Robertson. If he didn't break dance at the end of that and do some crazy moves, I'd think less of him. Okay, fair enough. And I like, I think if he wins the World Cup, he can do anything. Go hard. Within reason if it's legal. Within reason. Yeah. Um, but up until then, he's got to, you know, because the All Blacks have to be fearsome. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Well, so yeah, you've got views on these things. You are. You are. You are. You, you've told me you don't sort of follow it, but actually, you know, you've you've got a. We could keep going on this, but we won't <laughs> get to the other things. Kia ora, Aotearoa, and welcome to the Big Stuff Quiz. I'm your host, Imogen Wells, alongside my assistant, the wonderful. Hello everyone! Each week we'll release a new episode to test your wits with two rounds of ten questions. One potluck round and another that's very loosely themed. A bit tangential even. Such a good word. If you think you're up for the challenge, go and follow our show on your favourite podcast platform, The Big Stuff Quiz, is out now. The Big Stuff Quiz is proudly brought to you by Melbourne. Every bit different. How did you get to adding in a bit of politics? And did you stand twice or once? Once. I stood once. 17? Yes, 20. So that actually wasn't against John Key. I lied about no, that. No, it wasn't. But I, I wanted it to be because yes. he was... Um, still the MP. He was still the MP of oh, so Helen's you did debate Bull. him. And I didn't debate him. Oh, um, you didn't, right. And so I announced that I was going to run in the seat in Helensville. Um, and so the headlines were like, oh, you know, 
going to go up against John Key. That very day, probably about 9.30, he announced he was stepping down. So my it was plan you. was foiled. It was you. <laughs> it Do was you me. think that it was you? That you, you just you scared oh, him out of it. Definitely. He knew that that safe blue seat was going <laughs> green. I mean, there's no the you know the likes of your father would definitely say no. Stuff forty years of politics. I'm going Haley Holt Green. Well, you, my dad did. Good. I mean, he's a swing. He's the ultimate swing voter. Well, if he didn't, you know, I'd think less of him. He's got to be backing his daughter's party. No, actually, you don't. You have to go with what you believe. Where'd you learn that? But I <laughs> did convince him. Um, Not now. Are you though. still agreeing? Are you still? And it's, uh, there's no right or wrong answer mm. on this. On it, and don't think I I couldn't get less. Well, like that sounds flippant. But are you, are you still? Would you be? Do you still consider yourself an active green supporter? I am definitely um, believe in the issues. I believe in their policy. Yeah. So yeah, I've pretty much. Voted green. I mean, not that you meant to say this, eh? But since no, since right. I started, it might be a bit I more think... problematic if you were the sort of lead <laughs> politics um, dude yeah, or dude exactly. at um, at, 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 at TVNZ. But yeah. you're sports, so that's okay. But the thing is, I actually have I I believe in consensus, and yeah. I, like I definitely have. Uh, well, I not on believe Razor that Robertson, there are some. You don't. You've been very polarizing. <laughs> but I just believe there. are Great things about all parties, you know. Yeah. And I um, used to used to believe that the Greens could write the policy. Mm. The Nats could actually implement, implement it. it because mm. that would work. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I've always thought a blue-green government would be very compelling, but... Unfortunately, some of the yeah. Let's not go there anyway. Yeah. I'll say naughty things and get yourself try. Did you? What What was your experience of being a candidate? Uh, it was amazing. What like a uh, trial by fire. Mm. Um, and I actually love being in a dusty hall talking to people who care about you, that. you know. I love all of that yeah. stuff. It's interesting. And the debates were great. Um, came up against Chris Pink. Yes. Um, in Parliament for Helensville, yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved them. It's not actually called that now. It's got a it's, uh, better name that I can't remember. It's a Rodney Sleep. Yeah, it's something it? like, no, let's not. I've, we'll waste five minutes on this but because I, I feel like I could do it and then I'll offend someone. But, no, um, I'll be able to do it. It's like, it um, um, I know as soon as we know it'll be, it'll be um, obvious. Now, that's sort of interesting because I was going to ask you about the, the debates. But they would have been, you would have had a bunch of 73-year-old um National Party supporters in those halls booing you down. No, they were booing. They were interested. Um, it is oh, Kaipara, Kaipara ki Mahurangi. Yeah, see, there you go. Yeah. Oh, Kaipara, that's exactly right. Um, we've talked, in a way, the highlights, the cool things you've done. Um, but what what is um, what is also incredible about Bill about you is you've had, um, if I can say this, more than your share of sort of hard times, tough stuff. Um, and I think, you know, no, no one can know your story without sort of having a sense of that. Um, alcoholism. Um, yeah, what, tell me about that. Start. No. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> and um, go. Yeah. You know, yes, I've had my share of tough times, but some of them have been self-inflicted. Like, yeah. you know, uh, my problems with alcohol. And I just... I started very early. I started when I was dancing. So when I was about 14, we'd, we'd party after right. a dancing comp. And my mum, because she knew there was a lot of responsibility on me at the time and and was, you know, I was 
training a lot. She gave me that freedom because I was with, you know, some older dancers and she trusted them. But it probably set me up for needing a bit more excitement. So I didn't, I, I feel like I almost got um, yeah. arrested development. I jumped straight into this really adult world and I never got to slowly get there with my friends at school, yes. if you know what I mean. This is why I didn't take my kids to the Ed Sheeran concert, speaking mm. of Mary, because it's like, then what have they got to look forward to? Well, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's I, nothing wrong with a kind of a boring childhood in no, a way. No, and yeah. you've got to slowly learn, you know, and like mm. maybe test a bear here and there, where I yes. just went straight into it. Right. And, 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 and what I presume it then over the years um, progressively got worse? Progressively got worse, but also... And it's, I think it's a family thing too, but in my, uh, I just can't drink well. I mean, I tried really, really hard for 20 years to... Um, By which you mean what? You have one, you have to have two at 10. Yeah. And, but then, I, you know, my brain would switch off and then yep. um, my alter ego would come out and mm. I could go all night, but I wasn't necessarily um, compass. Right. Yeah. What were you though? Were you, were you loud and brash? I, I was loud, I was dancing, I was always going off on some adventure let's let's jump over this fence and see what's behind it that kind of thing when and did you realize it was a problem a big problem mm, or was it and was it that a long period it was a long period yeah i knew it was a problem my parents knew it was a problem my friends all knew it was a problem and they would sort of try and and help me see that but i didn't want to stop did you was there a point where you sort of um, came out, as it were, about being an alcoholic? Um, and yeah. I'm just interested in how that sort of went. Yeah, it was a point. I think it was a canvas interview, and I'd been right. um, sober for a few months, nearing a year. And, yeah, I felt quite secure in my choice hmm. and that this was going to be my new reality. So, yeah. For men at a level, it's sort of, um, and I'm not saying it should be, but you know, you're a macho man, you drink a lot, and you get a problem with alcohol. Um, it's my question, I suppose. It seems to me maybe it's it's quite it's actually quite courageous for a woman to say they've been an alcohol, they are an alcoholic. Yeah. Well, did you feel that? Maybe. Well, did you have a sense of that, or was it just a thing? It wasn't like that. I don't know. I think I've always um, I've always tried to keep up with the boys. And that was probably my problem. I've got uh, older brother, three cousins all around the same age, all blokes, all, you know, big drinkers. And they could have probably, you know, got just as sort of, you know, they're probably just as much of troublemaker as I was. Mm. Um, but they kind of got away with it, as you were saying. And I think their bodies can handle it more. Yes. You know, smaller Smaller bodies yes. mean it can't process as quickly. Um, and it used to really affect me. Uh, I can't remember going, like I could, I never used to put myself to bed. Right. Like Just that, don't remember that. I'm still a real a night owl and I still fight to right. sleep. But, you know, when you're when you're on one, that's the last thing I want to do. And today you don't drink at all? No. Don't touch a drop? No. Mm, good on you. Hey, ADHD, um... Again, I kind of start. <laughs> when did you when when did you give a sense that that was a thing? So, or uh, you sort of always had an implicit knowledge of it, but then you got it diagnosed. No, I after I gave up drinking and I was still struggling a little bit with um, you know my attention 
focus. Um, and I'd gone back to uni after I gave up drinking because I needed something to do with my energy and with my brain. And um, I'd understand the concepts and I'd, I'd get it. You know, I'd be in lectures and I'd be loving it. But trying to like gather everything into a cohesive essay I'd struggle with. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand why. I'd have all these notes and I'd just like, oh, there's just so much. And so I went to a counsellor who I'd been seeing for a while and he was saying, yeah, I think we, you know, after talking to you for a long time, I feel like maybe we could send you to a psychiatrist and see if maybe it is an ADHD thing, which it's a mild case. Right. But it... um. It just definitely was. We tried uh, medicating, and it was just like night and day, night and day. Do you medicate now? No, I only when I like I I did then because I needed it to write essays. Right. Um, and I did for breakfast. Right. Because I was struggling uh, with you know, in the studio. There's yep. light three hours, trying to be on and listen to people like yourself. Yes. Going at yeah. Going at me or. To be fair, Haley, I was going at the TV. I just had to get those key messages out. I know you did. Answer and, the question, Simon. And it, and it worked polling-wise, <laughs> just to say. Um, what does it mean for you today, ADHD? Um, how it affects me today is, I mean, I can – it affects me mostly in social situations. So when there's a, f- a lot of people around and there's and there's a bit of noise going on, I do struggle to listen to the person I'm talking to. Um, I hear everyone else's conversation too right. and I see what's going on behind them and mm. – it can get a little bit overwhelming, um, but that's okay. I just have to deal with that. Mm. Uh, I drift off quite a lot. Mm. I think it does Josh's head in. He has to sort of call my name about five times, especially if I'm reading a book mm. or there's this thing called hyperfocus. And right. if I'm hyperfocusing on something, it takes you know a good six calls before I hear my name. Mm. Yeah. That's very fascinating. Hey, thank you for sharing that. No one in New Zealand, I don't think, uh, could be um, unaffected by your your motherhood uh, journey, mm. and 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 this deal there. And you know, I, I'm, I'm um, really interested in it. Did, did you and Josh, your partner, um, did you? I suppose I'm just because knowing your story and sort of looking back at hindsight, was there a point where you both said, right, we want to have a child? It it was very. Um I'd wanted a child for years. Yeah. And we were hanging out on my deck one afternoon after breakfast and I was in a bit of a maudlin mood and he was just like, what's going on? And I think I'd been on a date or, you know, and I was just quite down about the prospects, my chance of having a baby. I was nearing 40. um, And if you're trying to do it, the right way at that age. I mean, there's years that you've got to get to know somebody, you know, they're the right person, do you want to marry them first? And I was just um, just quite down about my chances of having a baby. And I was open with them about it. And I think... And at that point, how long have you been with Josh? Oh, we weren't together. Oh, I see. <laughs> no. So when you said the date thing, I was like, oh, okay, what's well, okay, right. Yeah, no, we weren't together. We were just friends. Right. And... Um, he said he, he felt really sad for me and he thought that I would be a really good mum and he just, in his sort of unconventional way, thought maybe he could help. And so so uh, he talked to me about it and we went on this really strange date and because it wasn't a date to be together, it was like a, 
date to see if like something might happen. Yes. And anyway, magic happened, and Frankie happened that night. Yeah. Um, and that's how it happened. So we weren't even together. I don't. I I couldn't even get in touch with him after that for like three months. He didn't know I was pregnant hmm. until I was three months pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to that, I'm sorry if I've got the timeline wrong here, but you you'd already miscarried. No, that. That was after, after yeah. Right. That was when we were together. And of course, yeah. I mean, we know about Frankie Ty. You know, um, what was it six, seven months um, pregnancy, um, uh, stillborn. Yeah. And and then you're telling me after that miscarriage. Yes. Um, and by and 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 kind of because I hadn't understood that as well. I'm going to read your book, by the way, and we're going to come <laughs> to that. But you know, you. Um, so during your pregnancy with Frankie, did you then partner up with Josh or was it still that unconventional kind of thing where, you know, he'd helped you with your, in quotes, problem? <laughs> yes. Um, at first it started like that and um, I came at it with this determination that we were going to be the best of friends so that we could be the best co-parents that right. we could be. And I... I thought that if we sort of tried to get into any relationship, it might sort of mess things up, muddle, muddle, muddy the waters, and this was going to be the best way about it. But we started hanging out to become these best of friends, hmm. and I think we just started realising we really liked each other. Hmm. Yeah, we we saw each other in a different light during that time, and then just before lockdown happened, we actually started dating. It just happened one night. We were doing a little bit of a meet the family type thing. We were out at Coco's and I had my friends and he had his friends and his brother and we had a really ni nice night and it was kind of like a first date even though we were all already pregnant. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Um, speaking of Frankie and, and the stillbirth, I mean, yeah, so I was, let's wrap it all up and how you cope with it at the time and, and, and how you now, um, you know, with the birth of your beautiful son, Raven James, how you look back on that yeah so it was very hard at the time of course it was heartbreaking and, and really traumatic but it was also very beautiful in a way I did lots of work afterwards I, I went to a therapist and 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 tried to wrap my head around what narrative I was going to tell myself about Frankie and 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 what it was going to give to my life and what Frankie brought me was Josh and um, a grounding for our family. Mm. You know, it really brought our family sort of down to earth a little bit. And um, and then it, and then he, because he stayed so long, Josh and I did fall in love. And I and I saw how Josh acted over that sort of time and and how caring he was. And mm. um, so we fell in love. And then Raven James came, who was a perfect baby. How old's Raven James now? He's coming up nine months. Oh, amazing! Oh, yeah. well, look, that's. I mean, that's amazing. It makes me emotional hearing his story. It's it's really beautiful, and um, you know that gift that Frankie uh, gave. He was a gift. Um, he you. was a gift. Um, how's Raven James going? Oh my God, he's just a legend. He is such a champ. <laughs> Why? He is just so chilled out. I was dragging him around all of these interviews yesterday, and he's just hanging out the whole Loving time. It. Yeah, loving it. And he does his smiles James. for the camera. <laughs> he does. Amazing. There's nothing wrong with that. He's got a future in politics. Yeah, he, he probably does actually because he's very relaxed and he's, he's very interested. He's 
He's, yeah. a, he's very aware of what's going on, but he never makes a fuss. Fantastic. Hey, how do you just uh, – let's go with the motherhood for just a little longer and then we, I'm sure we'll have to wrap up because time is against us. How do you juggle um, motherhood with your high-profile, you know, being on TV looking at million-dollar stuff? It's quite hard, yep. honestly. I'm really tired. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so tired. I don't know how mothers do this. Society feels like we've just gone a little bit too far with what we're asking from not mm. just mums but families. Mm. Um, it's you know we've got these beautiful babies, and then you have to give them up to daycare, or someone else looks yes. after them as you go back to work to try and pay the rent or put food on the table and. I mean, I've probably got it a lot easier than most people out there. There's single mums out there who have two, three jobs. I mean, it's so hard. And you kind of have to question how we're going about it. Yeah, the modern sort of world we live in and um, and whether it's commensurate with, with that, you know, as I say, sort of ideal, perfect um, situation. Um, I, I was going to just ask you, you know, if I Google you, weirdly what comes up is <laughs> Hayley Holt Jordan Peterson quite high. Oh, my. In an interview you did with him. And and I wouldn't say it was, you know, d- d- in a contest or anything, but he kind of talked about how, you know, life potentially was less meaningful um, um, without children mm. and grandchildren. And you you didn't react badly, I don't think, but you were quite, you took him on at a level about that. I suppose now that you've got Raven James, I just was interested to ask you how you sort of feel about that now. Is it? I mean, yes, Raven James has brought me so much meaning. And I did want a baby. I'd already, always wanted a baby. I was kind of, um, I guess, being the devil's advocate a little bit in that interview. Um, I... Also have a lot of people on my Instagram who comment and say, thanks, Jordan Peterson, look what you... It's like, wasn't actually his, you know. But no. he's got a point. I mean, there is... Yeah. I think family is what life is about. Yeah. You know, this we are, we are animals at the end of the day mm. and we're here to to be together and commune and, and, have, and have our children and pass on what we know. And I think that's what life means. You know, and as I and I think I said to you before coming in, um, you know, I, I think of my friends without children, how smug they are. They need a little one or three just to rip all that smugness out of them <laughs> and show them how what, exactly what disposable <laughs> income and tiredness and all these things can be like. Your book, um, I can't leave without touching on Haley Holt's second chances. Why that title? Because I feel like I've been given probably more than a second chance, mm. to be honest. Um, it kind of relates a little bit to my alcohol issues, but also my second chance with Raven, you know. I tried with Frankie Ty. He brought Josh and I together, and then we got a second chance. Amazing. Yeah. How did you find the process of a book? And, um, yeah, and, and yeah, look, again, start. Give me a sense of it. So I used a ghostwriter, Katie Bosher. She's this Canadian who lives in Christchurch. Mm-hmm. Amazing lady. And um, we just did hours and hours and hours of interviews. Yep. This was while I was, I was pregnant with Raven and after Raven was born. So um, it was quite hectic, actually, trying to pull up all of my life and try to make a story out of it and try to make meaning out of it. At times, I wanted to pull the pin because... Right. You know, there were. I just sort of felt like I was going on, <laughs> going on about stuff that does. Is this even going to make a difference to anybody? Are people going to enjoy this? And will it help anybody? Which was the point. I wanted people to 
be able to see my vulnerability and, and my shadow side and, and be okay, a bit, bit more okay with theirs. I'm, I'm sure it, it will um, help. It, it, did you, what you're saying to me, I think, is it, it made you vulnerable? Definitely. Uncomfortable? Very. Um, what did you learn from the book? I've learnt, it was kind of cathartic in a way, I've learnt that all of that stuff, sometimes you carry things, even from childhood all the way with you, and it affects how you feel about yourself. But I've learnt how important it is to, to let that go. Because now I feel like I can let that go. I've sort of brought it all out into the light, you know, seen it for what it is, and yes. then I can just sort of, you know, move on, look forward. No, I think that's right. That's sort of what I got, I think, probably from writing a book myself. Yeah. National Identifoot D, a wonderful book, also by Harper Collins. Let's just get that in there. Might sell another four copies, Haley, and there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Um, Jordan Peterson also said in his um, chat with you on breakfast that, you know, we're going to live to 90, so, you know, kids, grandkids are important. When you look back at 90, I'm sure, you know, with your dancing and snowboarding and so on, you'll, you'll, you'll be a fit buck rack right until um, elderly dotage. Um, what, what, what do you want to sort of see? And, and I suppose what, is, what I'm asking you in another way is, what's the future hold for you the next 48 years, I think it is? Let's hope. I feel 90 at the moment. <laughs> um, um, I hope. I mean, it's all, about, it's all about the next gen, isn't it? I mean, I want to see Raven grow up. And, and get his own life and see what kind of man he becomes. My brother's about to have a child in April, his awesome. first. So it's great gonna, when they've got cousins around the same exactly, age. Exactly, and the cousins. And, and we're going to just see, you know, the next generation. It's not about us anymore. I just want to see what they're going to do with the world, and hopefully they can help fix it. Yeah, no, that's right. Well, someone needs to. Someone has it's to. going to hell in a handbasket. Hey, I'm going to wrap up by asking the questions we ask every guest. We call this section general knowledge. What's been the best night out you've ever had? <laughs> You're gonna... And you've had a few, Haley. Many. I've had many. I actually struggle with this one because I ha- I've had so many good night outs, nights out. Um, and I'm going to say it's the one that I went out with Josh on that really, really awkward date and we did some salsa dancing and then we came home and magic happened and Frankie Tar came into our lives and he changed my life forever. Amazing. It was meant to be. Mm-hmm. If you could be any animal, <laughs> I always laugh at this one. It's such a freaking ridiculous question. What would it be and why? A hawk. Nice. You know when you see them? I can see that. Sailing up there. They're powerful but serene. It's got this visual image of you. Yeah. Sort of quiet. It feels like it'll be quiet up there, but also lots of adrenaline going on at the same time. You know, that Mm. stillness and movement. I like it. I'd be a hawk. And with your dancing spirit and snowboarding Mm -hmm. style. What animal would would you be? Um, Well, different days, different animals. Mm -hmm. I feel like shark, tiger, meerkat, otter. All rolled into one. Like Shark. just, you know, different side. Maybe a little bit of sloth in there as well. You yeah. know, you can identify with that. You've told me that, you know. <laughs> a little bit of time out. Um, who would you most like to be trapped in a lift with? Um, this is going to be uh, not the answer you expect. I would love to be trapped in a lift with a massage student who needs to get some hours up. <laughs> I love that. Oh, I can so identify with that. Wouldn't that be love good? It. Some people don't like a massage. I freaking love a oh, good massage. I love it too. It's so good. If I was, if I like, if someone gave me like fifty million dollars, 
I would employ a full-time masseuse. Good idea. A little, little back rub before dinner. Yep. You know? The foot rub. Revitalize the blood. and The, the head. Yes. Yeah, all of it. Oh, no, I so love that. That's a good answer, Hayley Holt. Thank you so much for coming on Generally Famous. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to Generally Famous, a stuff podcast. This is the final episode of the current season, but we'll be back very soon with more big-name guests. In the meantime, catch up on any episodes you missed at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous or wherever you get your podcasts. If you follow us on Apple or Spotify, any of the podcast apps, in fact, you'll get new episodes the moment they're released. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Thanks to my producers, Chris Reed and Jen Black and audio editor Connor Scott. I'm Simon Bridges. I really appreciate you listening. This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Most GP practices in New Zealand are closed to new patients. What do people do if they can't see a GP? It's a real concern. A lot of people end up in the emergency department. We know those are overrun and we know that many, many people are turning up with conditions which really should be treated in primary care. We really need to look at the funding. We need to look at how that is distributed because we know if more money is put into primary health care, then we're, we're actually stopping people going to hospital. For everything that's worth talking about, find and follow Newsable wherever you get your podcasts.